Hello, uh, friends. This is Pastor Christopher Alam. I greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus. We are on the subject of the call of God. And uh, today I want to start talking to you about the ministry of the teacher. Yesterday we finished on the ministry of the pastor. And now we are coming. We have come to the last of the five fold ministries. Uh, you know, begins with apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. Now, uh, there's a there's one thought I want to share with you because we say fivefold ministries, but there's one school of thought that actually says that there's actually four uh, ministries, uh, fourfold ministries: apostle, uh, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, uh, and that they actually refer to the same person. But I'm not going to go into that because I personally am of the opinion that that a pastor should be a teacher. A pastor should be a good teacher because a pastor is the one who stands before his congregation Sunday after Sunday and he should be a teacher. A pastor should be a good teacher and all my pastor friends are good teachers. But then there are teachers also who are not pastors but whose ministry is solely teaching. Then they are also important because uh, they all have um, a teaching gift and God has raised them up to minister uh, to, uh, to, uh, to help that the, the body of Christ grows up in maturity. And so I believe that a pastor should be a teacher, but that doesn't take away from the fact that there are actually teachers in the body of Christ who are anointed to teach, even though they don't pastor. So I want to read to you from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 to 16. And it says, And he gave the apostles... Uh, and prophets and evangelists and shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we no longer, we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Uh, rather, speaking the truth in love, we are, we are to grow up in every way into him, which is the head into Christ. Now, so it's quite a lot here. It says that God gave the church these five gifts. One is the apostles, the second, the prophets, and thirdly, the evangelists. And fourthly, the shepherds or the pastors. And fifthly, the teachers. And the reason he gave these, these ministry gifts to the church is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. That means that the fivefold ministry gifts, and that includes the teacher and, of course, the pastor, everybody else, they are there. Their job is to, they are raised up by God to equip the saints for the work of the ministry and for building up the body of Christ. That means to build up the body of Christ so the body of Christ is stronger than it was before. And the goal is until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, that we attain the unity of the faith. And this is like this, you know, when we talk about unity, unity of the faith, we have so many churches, we have so many denominations, and the reason we have them all is because they all, you know, have, this. let me put it bluntly, they all have their own quirks and they all have certain things they emphasize and sometimes 
uh, one group is a split off from another group. But the only true way to unity is if we all agree on the word of God. If we all look at the Bible and agree on what the Bible teaches, that is when we have unity. So unity is a result of us growing to the point when all these other funny things, they become less and less important and the word of God becomes more and more important until we come to the place where we say, you know what, everything I believe is based on the Bible alone and on nothing else. That is when we have unity because we all agree on the fact that the Bible is the infallible word of God, it's the inerrant word of God. And <clears throat> if you say that and I say that, and I say that the Bible is the only thing I believe and it is the ultimate authority on all things and you say the same thing, then you and I have unity because we, our unity is not based upon our personal opinions. It's not based on our personal interpretation of things. It's not based on our personal feelings or our personal revelations, but it is based on what the book teaches. So when we go away from our personal opinions and feelings and church traditions and things like that, or our experience, and we all come to what the Bible teaches, that's where we have unity of the faith. And he says, uh, unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. And that is called mature manhood. We come to mature manhood, to the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may, may know, listen, this verse alone. This is a whole seminar by itself, okay? So I'm, I'm, I'm running through this uh, shortly because I want to get to other things. So he says, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about every wind of doctrine. He said, you know, because there's every wind of doctrine, something new comes. And like um, my pastor, Pastor Sam Smucker told me some years ago, because we have a big church and he says, you know, because we have a big church and we have people going to all kinds of conferences and some someone comes and he says, oh, pastor, you must go to Toronto because the Holy Spirit is moving and people are on the floor barking like dogs and this is the latest move of the spirit and then somebody has, be else, has been somewhere else, he has seen something else and he thinks that is of God and it's not easy to be a pastor because you've got all these people who have been all over the place and they are all into different things and, and the same guy who is, uh, who is into uh, laughing on the floor and barking like dogs today, tomorrow he's into something else because it's often the same people who jump into different things and so it says that uh, maturity is when we are no longer tossed to and fro by the waves and, and being blown away by every wind of doctrine, but we go straight to the Bible. This is what the Bible says straight down the line. I stay with the scriptures. And so that's a, that's a good place to be because that is where that is growing up when we are no longer children, uh, but we are mature men of God and a mature man of God. He is a man of the book of the Bible. And if it's not in the Bible, he shelves us aside and he puts it aside and he follows the Bible alone. So that is why God has given the fivefold ministry gift to the church to help bring the people to that level of maturity where they where they're not blown about by every wind of doctrine and by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitfulness scheme. So the people are, are driven around uh, by uh, every wind of doctrine or they are driven around and they are carried around, moved, blown about by people who are deceitful, who are cunning, who want to control them. So sometimes we have people who, you know, who want to, who want to control you and they're deceitful. They want to control you. 
And so people, like for example, I remember in Sweden, we had a couple of teachers from America who were teaching that all Christians had demons. And, uh, and so they had deliverance things and people were throwing up and people laying on top of each other screaming. And, and, and what happened was that our pastor and the people fell into it. And, and so these people, they, they went into, oh my goodness, they went from one thing to the other. And I was actually close to the minister who was teaching all this. I, used, I mean, he was a good, he was really a very kind man. And, and I don't know how he fell into this. So I tried to talk to him in a very gentle, respectful way. And he screamed at me. He yelled at me. And so, you know, so the pastor and the whole church followed it. And so they, they were doing this deliverance meetings and it was, it got goofier and goofier. And uh, then the next thing, you know, they stopped this. Then they got into something else. And, uh, and this thing was like, uh, uh, it's all the flesh. It's, there's no demons, it's all the flesh. Then they, then they got into Israel, this whole thing about Israel and they, uh, the out, outlandish teachings on Israel. They even lined the walls of the church with stone from Jerusalem. And uh, a couple of people began to wear these yarmulkes on their head. And suddenly it became a badge of honor to say that you were Jewish or had Jewish background. I mean, it was like one outlandish things to the other. And all these things are signs of immaturity. So sometimes people think they're mature because they're into something new that nobody else into is into. And they think they have a revelation that nobody else has. Well, it's actually a sign of immaturity. So I tell people, stay with the word and stay with the mainstream of the body of Christ. And also the fact that God has raised up this fivefold ministry to raise up the, uh, the standard of the body and to bring us all to maturity uh, and for us to stand around the word so that we are no longer blown about by different doctrines that come and go. And, uh, and that rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him. So growing up means to growing up in Christ so we become more like Jesus. So if your goal in life is to be more like Jesus and my goal is more to be to be more like Jesus and everybody thinks that you know we that that's when we come to unity. So that's why that's why God has raised up this fivefold ministry gifts for us to grow up in maturity and grow up in Christ. And one of them is the teacher. God has anointed and raised up teachers to teach the word and to help believers come to this place of maturity. Now, let me show you some scriptures. Acts chapter 13, verse 1. Now they were in the church of Antioch, prophets and teachers. So we see that in the church in Antioch, there were prophets and there were teachers. So we have to remember that, that a teacher is actually a viable, it's an important ministry in the body of Christ. And here are the names of the prophets and teachers. Now, it doesn't specify which one were prophets, which one were teachers, but there were five of them. Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Miguel, Lucius of Cyrene, <coughs> Manayan, a member of the court of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. So there were these five men and they were teachers and pastors. And then if you read the rest of the scriptures, it told you that they sought the Lord and the Holy Spirit said to them. So teachers shouldn't also only teach, 
but teachers should also seek the Lord because God can speak to them like he speaks to the apostles and the prophets. A teacher is an important gift. He doesn't only teach, but when God speaks to leaders, to the fivefold ministry gifts, teachers are right there with the evangelists and the apostles and the prophets and pastors listening to the voice of the Lord. And uh, 2 Timothy 1.11, this is the Apostle Paul writing to Timothy. He says, for this gospel, I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and teacher. This is interesting because he was appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher. Now, this proves that, that uh, a man doesn't necessarily have to stand only in one ministry gift. A man can be a combination of ministry gifts. So never lock yourself or lock your, lock anyone else in a group. Uh, you know, immature people do that because, uh, like for example, when I was, uh, I was an evangelist, but I was also teaching in a Bible college and I, my students liked me. They thought I was a good teacher. So there were people who said, you know, Christopher Alam is a good teacher. But the others said, no, no, he can't be a good teacher. Why? He's an evangelist and an evangelist cannot teach. And the Lord told me, don't let these immature people put you in a box. Let me use you whatever way I want to use you. So, so here I sit today, years later, and I've always let the Lord use me wherever he wants to use me. I've been, I taught four years at, a, at the biggest Bible college. At that time, it was the biggest Bible college in Europe. I taught, for, I taught there for four years full time. And I've also done gospel crusades. I've planted churches. I've done a lot of things. So I, in my ministry, you'll find me uh, you know, little bits of elements of different things. Now, the only thing I've not been is a prophet. I have prophesied and there are times when uh, God has used me to speak into people's lives through prophecy. But I also know that just because you prophesy doesn't make you a prophet. So am I a biblical prophet? No, I'm not. I've never stood in that office. But all these other things, I have, I have, I have done those things. And so, so what I am, I really don't know what I am. All I know is that I exhort you to open your heart and let the Holy Spirit use you in whatever way he wants to use you. Now, all of us, when you're used by God in a multiplicity of gifts and offices, <coughs> you'll find that there is one office where that's your primary office and the others will flow through you. So Paul was an apostle, but he was also a teacher. So you can be an evangelist and be a teacher. You can be a pastor and be an evangelist. And, and so, you know, they, they can be, you can be in two or three different ministry gifts. And, 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 but that's not important. The titles and the nomenclature, the designations are not important. What is important is the fact that God uses you. So Paul says that for this gospel, I was appointed a preacher. So he was a preacher of the gospel. So you might say he was an evangelist in that sense. And he was an apostle and he was also a teacher. Praise God. Because why was he all these, <coughs> I'm sorry, three things? Because his gift was needed. God needed to use him. And so God used him. God will use you in whatever capacity he needs you. And you make yourself available. Okay. So uh, Romans 12 verses 6 to 7. It says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving the one who teaches in his teaching. 
So he says, let us, he says, we all have gifts, different gifts, according to the grace that is given to us. And so let us use them. Let us use the gifting on our lives. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. If service, let us serve in proportion to our faith. In how, if we are to teach, let us teach in proportion to our faith. Titus 2, 7 to 8. It says, show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works and in your teaching, show integrity, dignity and sound speech that cannot be condemned. So then an opponent may be put to shame having nothing to say about us. So this is good. So he says that if you are called to be a teacher, first of all, make sure that your life is a model of good works, right? So that good, it doesn't, not talking about good works in the sense that works lead to salvation, but it's the opposite. Because we are saved, good works flow from our life as a fruit. Because we are saved, because Jesus lives in us, because of the work, the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, good works flow from our lives. So if you're going to be uh, a teacher, if you're going to be a teacher of the Word of God, or for that matter, in any of the fivefold ministry gifts, let your life be a model of good works. Let people see good things flow from your life that benefit other people. Then, and in your teaching, show integrity, show dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned. Okay, Titus verse uh, chapter one verse nine. It says he must hold firmly. To the faithful message as it has been taught so that he will be able to give exhortation in such healthy healthy teaching and correct those who speak against it so uh, a teacher must hold firmly to the faithful message as it is taught that means that you have to be faithful to the message the message here is not the message of a man but the message of the gospel the message of the word of god so we <coughs> we must hold, <coughs> i'm sorry cold air we must hold firmly to the faithful message as it has been taught so that he will be able to give exhortation in such a healthy teaching now what he's talking about faithful message healthy teaching this is what it means uh, when you are a teacher of the Word of God, don't come up with your own revelations, your own thoughts. Don't do that. Don't say, well, God has shown me this. And then you come up with something that is outlandish. You think, you see, it's like this. If you teach something, right, that I think is outlandish, you will never think it's outlandish. Because for you, it's a revelation. For you, it's real. But for everybody else, it's outlandish. Because... Firstly, I don't see it in the Bible. And secondly, uh, the way I see it, if it is in the Bible, you are taking an obscure verse and you are twisting it and stretching it and you're making a doctrine out of it. Thirdly, it is not recognized in the mainstream of the body of Christ. There are uh, uh, theologians and men and women who have known the word better than you and me who have never seen it. But you claim that you have a revelation they don't have. You see, all these things make your teaching outlandish. So what you do is in your teaching and your preaching, stay in the mainstream. Hold firmly to the faithful message that has been taught. It is very important that we hold firmly to the mainstream of the body of Christ, what is taught in the body of Christ, what is in the Bible. Hold on to it. 
and uh, and stay with healthy teaching don't go into uh, you know, like uh, there's this teaching going around that uh, Christians don't have to repent since our sins have already been forgiven. Uh, because our sins are already forgiven, we don't have to repent. And actually, not only that, but repent doesn't mean what we call repent. Repent actually means to change your mind. So, uh, and so they expound on it and they say things like, uh, th things like, uh, uh, if you just change your mind about something, that's repentance. And then they say, well, First John 1, 9, that if we confess our sins, we are, he is just and faithful to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's not for the Christians. It's written for the Gnostics. So any scripture that goes against my doctrine is not for the church. It's for the Gnostics. Now, you see, these things are outlandish. Firstly, you won't find anybody, any theologian of any repute, anyone who knows the word of God who will agree with such things. So that's what I mean by outlandish things. So don't teach or preach Things that are way out there, that are outlandish, that, uh, but stay with the faithful message of the word of God, the faithful message of the gospel with good, healthy and solid teaching. Stay with those things. Amen. And or, or, or with outlandish doctrines about financial prosperity. You see, I remember when Brother Hagen said, he said something very interesting. He said, you know, you can use scriptures to prove anything. And all the cults, they use scriptures. And if you want, you can have a doctrine and find, you know, you, uh, somebody said to me, it's doctrines that looking for scriptures. So you already have a set of beliefs and you have them, then you find verses to, to, to support it. And that's wrong. So what he's saying is that, uh, uh, is that uh, hold firmly, Paul says to Titus, hold firmly to the faithful message as it has been stopped. That means stay with the gospel, stay with the gospel, stay with the word of God at it, as it has been taught. Don't go out into outlandish things, outlandish doctrines and uh, stay with healthy teaching. Healthy teaching is things that uh, are found in the mainstream of the body of Christ. All right. And, uh, and, and then, you know, somebody said to me that, well, you know, Christians don't have to repent and all that. That's a new revelation. I said, you know, if that's a new revelation, how come the church has uh, have survived without it for 2000 years? How come men like Brother Hagen and, uh, uh, and Lester Sumrall and John Osteen and, and people like uh, Smith Wigglesworth didn't believe this and they could still work and God could still use them. So, you know, just stay away from the outlandish, stay away from things that are way out there and stay with the mainstream of the body of Christ. All right. First Timothy 3, 2, it says the overseer must be above reproach. The husband of one wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable and able teacher. So. Uh, the pastor, the overseer, the teacher, he, uh, 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 this is actually talking about the pastor, he must be above reproach. That means his life should be such that nobody can point a finger at it and say, look at him, he's doing this. He should be the husband of one wife because back in those days, I think, I believe this is what it is that back in those days, uh, people, there were some people who had multiple wives. And Paul is saying that to be a pastor, you have to be the husband of one wife. So we had a situation in Malawi in Africa where they have multiple wives and there was this guy. He was a good guy. He loved the Lord and he was a businessman and he felt like God had called him to be a pastor and he had two wives. So we told him, I said, brother, 
you have two wives. He says, I said, you can only live with one wife. And so what he did, <coughs> the counsel he received and what he did was very wise. He didn't divorce his second wife, but he sent her out to the village where she lived with her children and he supported her financially and uh, and he lived with his one wife. So uh, this is very important, even in the cultural context. And uh, the husband, a bishop, a pastor should be the husband of one wife. And he should be temperate. That means he should be moderate. Moderation is a good thing. Don't be extreme, as I said in my last point, but be moderate. I says self-control, respectable, hospitable, and able teacher. Like I said, so a pastor should be a good, able teacher. He should be a good and able teacher. Now, uh, what happens is that many teachers, they specialize in certain things. So you can have one teacher, he teaches on faith. That's his specialty. You can have another teacher, his teaching is on the end time. That's another specialty. But a pastor shouldn't just teach one thing. You can, if you want you to give your church an understanding of the end time, you can bring a teacher in who teaches on the end times and let him teach on it. But a pastor should be an able teacher a general, like a general practitioner, he who can see all patients, right? And so uh, a pastor should be a general practitioner. He should be an able teacher of the basics of the fundamental truths of the Bible. Second Timothy 4.2. Um, this is Paul's exhortation to Timothy. He said, preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. And the word exhort can also mean to teach. So he says, this is what you do. Preach the word. Always stay with the word. Be in season, be instant, in season, out of season. And one of my friends, an older man of God, he said something very good. He says one way he interprets this in season, out of season. He said there are times when the, the word of God doesn't seem to be very fashionable and people are fashionable, but people run after other things. He said, you know what? But remember that the word of God always works, whether it is fashionable or not, whether it is in or not in, you preach the word of God in season, out of season. Another interpretation is that in every situation, you preach the Bible because the Bible is relevant in every situation. So he says, Preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, that means correct, rebuke means to scold, it says, uh, uh, and exhort, exhort, as I said, to, to teach and to, to encourage people to, uh, to be productive and to bear fruit with all long suffering and doctrine. Praise God. Well, we'll stop right here and we will continue again tomorrow. We'll continue with the ministry of the teacher. And right now, let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for those who are who you have raised up to teach the word of God as teachers. I thank you that you have given us teachers in the body of Christ who we can listen to and who use who you have chosen to use to bring growth into our lives. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you, Father, be glorified and let us continue to bear much fruit so that you are exalted in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you. And listen, I, I must finish by adding this. If you, if you need prayer for anything, just feel free to write to me and uh, just send me a message and we will pray for you. And uh, believe me, we will. We always do pray for prayer requests. So please do send me that prayer request and we'll pray for them. And God bless you and may you be fruitful.